0: Jeremiah, he is the righteous branch, the righteous shepherd. We're going to finish the last two pre-exile prophets. and and really I, u- I use the word pre-exile uh, because it could almost be exile prophets because part of Israel, part of Judah has already gone into captivity, Babylonian captivity as they conclude their, Uh, prophecy. Jeremiah and and Joel are the two of the last of the pre-exile. But like I said, they've already, uh, Judah's already gone into captivity. Uh, Israel went into captivity about 115 years prior to the time we're looking at this morning. If you think about when, since the time of World War II to now, that's about how much time elapsed, goes by, from the time Israel is taken into Assyrian captivity and the time uh, Judah goes into Babylonian captivity. It's about 115, 120 years. About the same amount of time between World War I and now. Kind of give, put that in your mind. Uh, the prophets that prophesied in Israel concerning Israel uh, was Jonah, and he actually prophesied to Nineveh, but it was Jonah, Amos, and Hosea. They're the ones that warned Israel. They're the, one, the ones that told them, you better stop what you're doing. You need to repent. You need to quit uh, chasing after all these strange gods and believe on the one that's delivered you, the true God of heaven. The prophets of Judah before the exile was Isaiah, Micah, Nahum, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and we've already gone through all of those except for Zephaniah or Jeremiah, and we're going to finish finish him. The prophets that speak during the exile that we're going to be looking at after Judah's taken into Babylonian captivity are Daniel, Ezekiel, and Obadiah. Those are the prophets that speak during the exile. And it's during that exile period, that 70 year period, that we're going to go back and we're going to pick up three other books. Uh, Esther, remember she's the queen and she is the one that works it out so that Nehemiah and Ezra can actually come back at the end of the 70 year captivity, rebuild the walls, rebuild the temple. Nehemiah and and, and, uh, Ezra even though they're way back toward the front of the Bible, and we're already about halfway through, chronologically we need to put them where they, where they belong. Esther is the same way. It was Esther, then Nehemiah, then Ezra, and we're going to go back and fill those in. The, the pre-exilic or post-exilic, those prophets that we're going to be looking at that prophesied after Judah came back to the land, those Those prophets are Haggai, and boy did he have a lot to say. Uh, Zechariah, he had a lot to say. And Malachi, all three of those prophets, they're the ones who prophesy after Judah comes back from captivity. And you would think that they've learned a valuable lesson, and they have to a certain degree. And then there's going to be 400 years before that righteous branch, that promised Messiah comes on the scene. He comes into his own and his own receives him not. But it's during that that 400 years that God is quiet. And then John the Baptist comes and Isaiah talked about John the Baptist and then the Messiah comes on the scene and he goes to Calvary's cross and Israel still rejects. But what I want us to look at this morning and it's important that we understand that Judah had gone after the st- same false gods, worshiped the same false gods, got into the same mess, the same sin, the same degradation that Israel had gone after or had done, and they were warned not to do it. Look at Jeremiah 3:9 with me this morning. Turn with Jer- to Jeremiah 3. Jeremiah 3:9. And the condition of Judah is they are just so absolutely sinful. I'm actually, we're going to start with verse 8, Tim. Jeremiah 3, starting with verse 8. And I saw when all the causes thereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorcement. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not. But went and played the harlot also, and it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned to me with her whole heart, but feigned with the Lord, or only in a false matter, or in a false manner. Israel had gone away, and Judah. To begin, with, just sort of faked it. They just so they kind of gave lip service, but they soon went the same direction that Israel went. Look at verse fourteen of Jeremiah three. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you out of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. This is God's promise through Jeremiah to the nation of Israel and to Judah. That he is going to fulfill his promises and they need to trust him. Verse 17 of that same, same chapter. And at that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord and all the nations shall be gathered unto it. That's a promise of God to the nation of Israel of what he's going to do. Now, every one of us sitting here knows up until now that hasn't occurred, right? Israel has never dwelled safely. Israel has always been under attack. Judah has always had to struggle in order to maintain their sovereignty. Even today, even today, Israel has never dwelt safely, even though that's what God's Word says is going to happen. Look at Jeremiah 23. And as you turn there, let me remind you of what we said last last week. Uh, Israel, Judah's sin was so bad, it was so unrighteous, so against God, that God told Jeremiah to tell the people of Israel that even if Moses or Samuel came and asked me to look the other way, I wouldn't do it. There was no hope. There was no healing for Judah at this point because of sin. As a matter of fact, God tells Jeremiah to tell Israel or tell Judah to tell the people, don't even pray to me and ask me to save you. It's not going to happen. Judgment was coming. And that judgment was harsh. But in spite of that judgment that was coming, that judgment of Babylon when they were taken into captivity, God's promises still went forth. Here's what I'm promising to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take you. I'm going to bless you for His namesake. And folks, you can count on God fulfilling that promise. But Uh, Paul in Romans chapter 11 even talks about the fact that the promises of God are without repentance. That God doesn't change His mind. What God told Israel, He's going to do. You you watch on the news. You see all the things that are happening, and and all the people that are bad mouthing Israel, and and the danger that Israel's in, and Iran's talking about having uh, nuclear warheads now, and and boy, the 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 swords are are have been unsheathed. the, the they're rattling their swords. All these type of things are happening. But what we're starting to see is the focus on what God's about to do for the nation and through the nation of Israel. And that takes place as soon as the rapture of the church takes place. Remember, that's the next thing that's going to happen, is the church is going to be raptured out. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And at that time, that's when God is going to start dealing with Israel as a nation again. And I keep saying, and I want to get this through everybody's head to make sure we understand, the church is not spiritual Israel. All those promises and those warnings that went to Israel and to Judah, they have nothing to do with the church, the body of Christ. In the Old Testament and in the Gospels, God dealt with Israel as a nation. Today, he's dealing with the church, the body of Christ. In the Old Testament, the prophets, he chose, he elected to use Israel as a nation. His blessings, his testimony, all that he did was through the nation of Israel. Right now, Israel is temporarily blinded until the time of the Gentiles come in. And that means until this God calls his church, his ambassadors, us home. And as soon as we are called home, all war is going to break out. It's coming. It has to come in order for God's word to be fulfilled. Look at Jeremiah chapter 23. And again, Judah's sin was so bad, don't even pray to me. Because judgment's coming. But this is also what he does. This is also what he says. Look at Jeremiah 23. Verse 1, he starts talking to the pastors. To the shepherds, to the religious leaders of Israel, to the spiritual leaders, because they were not doing their job. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. You have scattered my flock. You have driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, saith the Lord. See, they're the ones that were supposed to be telling the people to serve the true and living God. But they're the ones that were encouraging them to go whoring after those strange gods. They were the ones that were embracing all of the, the filth and, and and sin that was involved in all of those strange gods. Verse 4, and I will... Set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. And in his days, and by the way, who is this king? who's going to sit on his throne from Jerusalem and rule and reign. Lord Jesus Christ. Has that ever happened? No. Is it going to happen? You betcha. It is coming. It's going to happen. Now people may say, ah, you've been saying that for so many years. Where's the sign of his coming? Folks, they're about to eat their own words. It's about to happen. I am convinced of it. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our Righteousness. Who is the the Lord Jesus Christ in Jeremiah? He is the Lord our Righteousness we talked last week that from genesis to revelation if you want to find label christ of the book if you want to find the messiah of the book he is the wrath bearer all the way through genesis all the way through he is wrath bearer he's the one who pays pays it all but look at jeremiah 29 oh well i'm sorry verse 8 but the lord liveth which brought up that which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all countries, whether I have driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Uh, and they dwell peacefully. Has Israel ever dwelled peacefully in their own land? No. Will they? Yes. Look at Jeremiah 29. And there are so many other scriptures, but since we have a limited amount of time. Jeremiah 29, this is Jeremiah's first letter to the exiles. The first group have been taken into Babylonian captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. The first ones that went into captivity was Daniel and Ezekiel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all of those. They are in Babylonian captivity. This is the first letter to those exiles by Jeremiah. And remember, three uh, three stages, Judah was taken into captivity. Three different stages. In the last stage, it was pretty horrible because they kept rebelling. Nehemiah, uh, Jeremiah kept telling them, don't rebel. Just go along. This is God's judgment. Don't fight against it. He told Zedekiah that. And Zedekiah still rebelled. And that time, it was, Katie bar the door. Nebuchadnezzar came in and, and demolished Jerusalem. But look at verse 4. Well, first 1, Jeremiah 29. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives. Drop down to verse 4. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon, Build your houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take you wives, and begat sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. Verse 10, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you, in causing you to return to this place can't tell you how often this verse is misquoted, but that's okay. You kind of get the gist here. Who, who is Jeremiah, oh, actually the Lord, talking to in this chapter? Those exiles, the nation of Israel. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That expected end is what God had promised to Israel, to Judah, to carry out, to make them a nation of priests, to make them a testimony of who the true and living God is. What he said he was going to do. Folks, he's going to do. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me. And I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found of you. That was God's promise to this remnant that's going over into, into Babylonian uh, captivity. Look at Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31 talks about Israel is going to be restored. Look at verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, Refrain thy voice from weeping, and thy eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in thy end, saith the Lord, and thy children shall come again to their own border. Promises after promises of what God is going to do to Israel with Israel. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. These are all promises of God to the nation of Israel Judah concerning what he's going to do even after their sin, even after their filthy abominations, Even after all that they did to aggravate God, to cause God to be angry, these are God's promises to that nation. And you know how he can make make these promises? Because of the one that was going to be delivered for our sins and raised again for our justification. The reason that Jeremiah can tell Judah, here's what God is going to do based on the finished work of the one who was a shepherd, or was a sheep slaughtered for the sins of his people. That's what's going on here. This is going to happen because of who is coming and the sacrifice that he's going to pay, the debt he's going to pay for. How are these promises going to be realized? They're going to be realized because of the one who became sin for us. Even though he knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a savior. What a payment was made. When you examine and you see the depth of their their sin and their rebellion and their wickedness kind of reminds you of people today doesn't it? And turning away from God and, and mocking God and, and being skepti- skeptical of the, of the word of God and not even believing the word of God and actually putting themselves in the position of God how in the world can forgiveness of sin be offered to such a world that's in such a mess through the cross of Calvary, through what was accomplished there. But anyway, verse 31, chapter 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. On what basis? Whose death? See, you've got to see the work of Christ Jesus in all of this not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They're not going to teach any man anymore saying, do you know the Lord? They're all going to know me what he says in verse 34 for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more on what basis Calvary covers it all Calvary covers it all whether it be under the kingdom program or in this dispensation grace of God it is based on the complete and finished work of Christ payment in full that God can offer salvation to fallen man What a plan of salvation. Look at 32. Verse 30. 30, Start with verse 37. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries there I have driven them in my anger and in my fury and in great wrath, and I will bring them again to this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. By the way, Israel has never dwelt safely. This is future. And I will give them one heart and, I, and one way, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I, but I will put my fear in their hearts, that they shall not depart from me. Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good and will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. He's talking about the millennial kingdom. He is talking about at the end of the tribulation after the day, uh, the day of the Lord has, has gone and the beast and the false prophet have done their thing. They've been cast into the lake of fire. Christ Jesus returns and every eye is going to see him. He's talking about the blessings to come when Christ is on earth serving as King of kings and Lord of lords. There are so many more scriptures to Jeremiah that's concerning this. But Jeremiah 39.1 tells us that Nebuchadnezzar just takes over Jerusalem and destroys Jerusalem. And I had somebody say, Well, Israel you know they in Judah they really sinned and they blew it and they shouldn't have worshipped all these other gods, but what's gonna happen to Babylon? What I mean, they're really the the their dastardly deed deserves punishment too. What what does Jeremiah say is gonna happen to Babylon? Well he answers that too. Look at Jeremiah forty six one. 46.1 46.1 The word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the Gentiles and that's all the nations that are going to come against Jerusalem. Drop down to verse 10. For this is a day of the Lord God our, of hosts a day of vengeance that he may avenge him of his adversaries and the sword shall devour it shall be satiate and made drunk with their blood for the Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates You look at chapter 50. I I encourage you to look at chapter 50. Verse 4. In those days, and at that time saith the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, and they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping, they shall go and seek the Lord their God. Verse 8. Remove out of the midst of Babylon, and go forth out of the land of the Chaldeans, and be as the goats before the flocks. For lo, I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon, assembly of great nations. Verse 13. Of chapter uh, 50. Because of the wrath of the Lord. It shall not be inhabited. Talking about Babylon. But it shall be wholly desolate. Babylon is not wholly desolate today. Babylon has not had the destruction that's coming. It will have it. God's word is, is. It will be carried out. And everyone that goes by Babylon. Shall be astonished and hiss at her plagues. Put yourselves in array against Babylon round about. All ye that bend the bow, shoot her arrows. Spare no arrows, for she hath sinned against the Lord. Verse 20, In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none in the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found, for I will pardon them whom I save. On whose basis? On what basis? The blood of Christ. And what God is going to do at that time. All of Jeremiah 50, chapter 51, talks about how no man is going to dwell in Babylon. Their day is coming. God's judgment is going to happen. Jeremiah 51, verse 7, Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine, therefore the nations are mad. Babylon suddenly is fallen and destroyed. You go to Revelation 18:8. 8, it brings all this together showing that God is going to bring about his plan, his purposes. And as I say that, I'll say this. If you're not ready to stand before the Lord, You need to get ready. One of these days, and and again, there's so much more. I, I have so much more here to... To concerning what God's going to do to Babylon because of sin what God's going to do if Israel and Judah and his blessings are going to come together and it all points toward the last days and we're getting so close to the last days of this period of time and then all of this is going to start over again as God starts working through his people to bring about his word we are so close I, I can't stress to you enough Say, Pastor, that scares me. Good. If it will bring you to, to, to a saving knowledge of Christ, if it causes you to realize your lost condition, if it causes you to realize that you're not ready for what God's Word says is coming, then by all means, get ready. The glorious truth is we live in the dispensation of the grace of God. Paul tells the church in Corinth, now is the day of salvation. This is the time to get saved. This is the time to get saved by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I can't quote that scripture enough. The important thing to remember is every second we're getting closer to the Lord Jesus returning for the church, the body of Christ. And as you study this, and I encourage you to read Jeremiah, I encourage you, Joel, next week we're going to talk a little bit more about the day of the Lord and what the tribulation period is going to be like. You don't want to be left behind. You don't want to be those that look around and go, what happened? You know that crazy preacher he talked about these days. That crazy preacher said this was going to happen. What do I do now? Don't wait. Here's what you do now. By faith you trust Christ Jesus. I used to sit at my grandmother's table and she would tell me about the Lord returning She would share so many of these scriptures and it would cause my young heart to be petrified. I would be so concerned that I could not go to bed at night. And you know that's a good thing? That was a good thing. Because when a person finally did share with me the gospel, I was ready to respond. Because I did not want to die and go to hell. I've shared with you before how that one night I dreamed that the Lord returned and he put all the saved in one Tupperware bowl and all the lost in another Tupperware bowl. Now that's not scriptural, but it was effective because I was in the wrong Tupperware bowl. Now no one in the scripture, but I knew he was coming. You would let a train whistle go off at night and you'd, it would scare me to death. My heart would start pumping, and I'd, I'd hear the train whistle, and then I'd listen for the angels, and then I'd go, oh, okay. Because I knew Christ was coming. There was no doubt he was coming, but there was also no doubt that I was not ready. and someone finally asked me to go witnessing with them. (laughs) I need to be witnessed to, but I'd gone to church three times in a row, and I guess that made me qualified to go knocking on doors. And while we went knocking on doors, I listened to what these guys told, the guy that we were talking to. He tuned them out, but boy, I didn't. That night, I trusted Christ. I realized that there was no works, no deeds. There's nothing I could do to prepare myself to get ready myself for the coming of Christ. But he'd already done it for me. And by faith I said, yes Lord, I believe. No more sleepless nights. No more, love to hear train whistles now. Not afraid to of Tupperware bowls (laughs) because I came to Christ just as I am.